excited that you're here. I want to share a quick scripture with you. It's found in Mark chapter 4 verses 39 through 41. And this is right when the disciples are out on the lake. They're in the middle of a storm and they uh, wake Jesus. And it says, and he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. He said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? 
and they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and seas obey him? And this morning, I just want to encourage you, whatever situation you might find yourself in when you come in this morning, I want to tell you that God is bigger than it. Anything that we face in life, sickness, disease, uh, financial trouble, cancer, whatever it is, I want to tell you that God has already won the victory on the cross for us. And if you believe that, how many people know that God is worthy of all of our worship? Make some noise for him. Amen. Let's worship the Lord this morning.
How many people are thankful for that blood this morning? Amen, amen. We're going to continue in worship, but just like every week, we do want to make an opportunity. If, uh, if you find yourself in a situation that maybe seems a bit overwhelming, maybe you're just kind of going through something and you'd like to, to pray with someone or either, even stand in the gap for someone else, we're going to invite our prayer team down front. And at this time, man, we would love the opportunity to pray with you. Um, if that's not you, we do want to encourage you just to continue to worship. But how many people know that, man, our God is bigger than anything that we face. He has the power in one moment to change our lives. And if you believe that, let's continue to worship. Amen. And I was lost in utter darkness till you came and rescued me. I was bound by all my sins when your love came and set me free. And now my soul can sing a new song. Now my heart has found a hope. Now your grace is always
Welcome to Church on the Rock. We're so happy you're here worshiping with us today. In the chair back in front of you, we have a lot of information about our church. Our inside look lets you know everything about who we are and what we believe in. Our ministry guide gives you plenty of ways to get connected through classes, small groups, and outreach opportunities. If you are a first-time guest, please fill out the white card in the seat back in front of you, drop it in the offering, or you can take it across the hall to the Connect Room where you will receive a free gift bag. Don't forget about our coffee bar and snacks between Sunday services in the Connect Cafe. So glad you're here, and we hope you know that there's always a place for you at Church on the Rock. Here's what's happening at Church on the Rock. On Sunday, May 29th, we have our annual Church on the Rock Memorial Day Car Show. There will be all styles of cars, family fun, games, prizes, inflatables, and great food. This is a huge event that takes a lot of volunteers. 
If you would like to help, you can sign up in the foyer. It's always good to come together and be in the presence of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, I would like to officially welcome you. We're so glad that you're here worshiping with us today. But uh, real quick, I have a few announcements. Uh, first, if you didn't know, this Tuesday, the Texas side is actually having a runoff election. So if you want any information, you want to pick up voters, guys, we have those available for you in the lobby. And also, we wanted to remind you about the Repeal M-130 campaign which is a re the repeal campaign on the bathroom ordinance on the Arkansas side. So if you uh, need any information on that, you have questions, or you want to pick up one of the signs that we had on stage with us last week, you can also do that in the lobby. But we have a, a really big event coming up. You saw right at the end of our announcement video, we have our Memorial Day car show coming up, what, next Sunday? So next Sunday, we're going to have uh, the parking lot filled with cars. But, man, this is a really big event. Uh, every year we see people come to know Christ, and that's the heartbeat behind the, the whole event, but it takes a lot of volunteers. And uh, so we encourage you, if you want to be a part of that in any way, we want you to, to get out in the lobby. We have a sign-up sheet. Make sure you sign your name down. We can get a, a spot for you just to be plugged in somewhere. But we're believing that people might come and, and look at, you know, cool rides, but they're going to experience and, and encounter the Lord of Lords. Amen. So uh, just be praying with us on that, and that's all I got. Here with the car show, those little uh, information things you got in your bulletin, or stacks them around a church too. Use those invites. They're an invite, and this little thing right here could mean the difference of somebody possibly going to heaven. And so think about it that way, because they might not come to a church. They might come to a car show and a barbecue, and they're out there. They're going to hear the message, and I'm telling you, as people get saved, that never come into the church. So that's a powerful little tool. Also, if you're a business, uh, we have eight sponsor picks left. And if you'd like to donate $100 that goes toward Imagine More, then you can present one of the awards to one of the cars. You need to pick it out or let one of our judges. And then the name of your business would be recognized and also uh, some more to our building expansion because how many know we need more room? And that's coming up real quick, possibly breaking ground at the end of this summer. So keep that in your prayers. We continue to worship the Lord with our tithes and offerings. And first of all, whatever you want God to bless, that's what you need to put Him first in. And if you want him to bless your finances, you put him first in your money. And that principle is called tithing. We take that first 10% and return it to the Lord. You know, there's four verses that explain the promise, the purpose, the place, and the day for tithing. I'm going to try to give you all four of those verses in less than two minutes. Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. This is the promise about tithing. Honor the Lord by giving him the first part of all your income. He will fill your barns with wheat and barley, overflow your wine vats with the finest wine. So God says if you honor him with the first part of your income, he's going to bless you financially. That means if you make $10, you return a dollar to the Lord. If it's $100, you return $10 to the Lord. It all comes from the Lord, first of all. But when you give him that 10%, he'll bless the other 90%. And that 90% bless and go farther than your 100% not blessed. And I found that out personally. So why do we tithe? The purpose of it is in Deuteronomy 14. The purpose of tithing is to teach us 
teach you to always put God first in your lives. See, God doesn't need your money, but he wants what it represents, and that's our hearts. He wants us to be able to trust him. Now, where do you tithe? Do you tithe to the United Way? Do you tithe to your brother that hasn't worked for three years? You know, that's charity. Your tithe is a form of worship, and it goes to the Lord. And it says in Malachi 3.10, Bring to the storehouse a full tenth of what you earn. Test me in this, says the Lord All-Powerful. I will open the windows of heaven for you, pour out all the blessings you need. So the storehouse is the temple of God or the place where you come to worship. Now, where are you, when are you supposed to do this? You do it on the day you come to worship. It says in 1 Corinthians 16, 2, On every Lord's Day, each of you should put aside something from what you have earned during the week and use it for this offering. The amount depends on how much the Lord has helped you earn. When you give God the first day of your week, the first part of your day, the first part of your money, then you say, God, you're really first in my life. And the verse also said, put aside. That means it's it's something you plan. It's not something you do just kind of as an impulsive thing. You plan it. And that's what good stewards do. And God's called us to be good stewards of his finances. And when you are, you watch how God will bless you. Amen. You know, as our ushers are coming forward, as you've prepared your tithe and offering, I want to go ahead right now and introduce our guest speaker. Pastor John and his family are kind of resting for the week after seven weeks on and getting ready for the next series. But he wanted me to specifically tell you a little bit about um, the man Scott Walls. And if you remember, Scott Camp, we got a Scott Walls that was sitting over here, but soon to be an evangelist, right? Scott Camp was here about a year ago, and we did a friends and family today, and this altar was filled with people giving their life to the Lord. And we had a baptism service that night that was about 50 or 60 people. This man has the gift of evangelism and very involved around the world. And he's come today to specifically speak about the power of the Holy Spirit and how to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But here's a little bit about him. Dr. Camp holds a Master of Arts in Theology at Criswell College, graduating summa cum laude. In addition, he holds a Master of Divinity from Southwestern Assemblies of God University and a Master of Theology degree from Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. He was also awarded Honorary Doctor of Divinity at St. Thomas Christian College in Jacksonville, Florida, and currently completing the Doctor of Ministry program at the Assemblies of God Theological Seminary in Springfield, Missouri. So this is a well-educated guy, but more than that, God's changed his life. He knows God. He's going to tell you about that. And it's going to be a powerful time. Matter of fact, I encourage you to go back to our website and watch the other two services that he's preached that are available on our website. You can get the app on your phone. But about the person of the Holy Spirit and about the promise of the Holy Spirit. And he really set this all, everything up for this service here where you're going to, we're going to be able to have an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And it's going to be a powerful thing. And I also want to do one other thing because at the end of this service, we just want to take time and not interrupt at all. So at the end of the service, we will take a second offering. And the way we do it is just we put a Bible up here. At the end of the service, you want to come up and leave an offering up here. Or in the back of the church, we'll have ushers that will be back there to receive an offering. And he's going to tell you a little bit about what he's coming up, what's coming up, how he's going to Pakistan, how we can help send him. But also, you know, just mark Scott Camp on the envelope at the end of the service. Or you do the push pay. Uh, we have on your phones or the debits back there. If you just write Scott Camp, we'll make sure it goes to him and help him literally travel all over the world. And guess what? We get to be able to go with him. Amen? God bless you as you give today. There's nothing to earth for that will ever come close. No thing can compare. I'll be 
pretend that there's nobody in the room except you and the Lord. And if we're ever going to really encounter the Lord in a powerful way, beyond just a church service, because people go to church services all over the world today, and they walk in and walk out exactly the same. And I don't want that to happen in my life today. I don't want that to happen in anybody's life because the Lord is here. And it's obvious what you sense around you right now is the presence of the Lord. And there's nothing that can replicate that. Not a concert, not a... There's nothing that can replicate the presence of God because it's real and it's tangible and it's life-changing. But listen to me. You have to open yourself up to receive from the Lord. And you have to do that by an act of your will because that's the way it works. That's the way God has made you. And Jesus is a gentleman and he never goes anywhere that he's not invited. And so you have to be willing. That's why sometimes we lift our hands to the Lord because that's an act of surrender. And I would encourage you to do that even right now. Just lift your hands and just by doing that, not as a religious thing, but it's a way of saying, Lord, I surrender. Matter of fact, say that, Lord, I surrender. I'm not going to fight you anymore. I'm not going to run from you anymore. I'm not going to hide anymore. I surrender. Do in my life today whatever you want to do. I give you permission to change anything about me that's not like Jesus. I really want to be like Jesus. And I really mean it. I really mean it. And then, Father, I pray for many of my friends here today that may not even really know you. 
Maybe you're all around them, but not in them. And I pray that today would be a day of salvation. Lord, what you did in my life 36 years ago in the county jail in Fort Worth, you took out my old heart and you gave me a brand new heart. And I pray you do a heart transplant this morning in the lives of many people in this room who have a hard heart, a bitter heart, a heart full of pain. And Lord, they're trying to anesthetize themselves and medicate themselves with everything that the world has to offer, but they're still thirsty and they're still hurting. And Lord, I pray today that they would come to Jesus. And then for my brothers and sisters in Christ who are not really living in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. They're trying, but they're not really trusting. And Lord, I pray today all of us would let go and let you do what you want to do in our lives and through our lives for the sake of Jesus and for the sake of others who need Jesus. Do something powerful today, Lord for your glory in Jesus name and everybody said amen and amen let's give the Lord a hand of praise you may be seated and it's so good to be with you I love your church I love your pastor and all of your pastors and today my wife and my our youngest daughter are here with me, and I want you to greet them. Honey, stand up, would you? This is my wife, 28 years this June, and uh, we were raised in two totally different worlds. She was raised in a Baptist preacher's home, and her mom and dad were missionaries to Brazil, and then her dad is in his 80s now and still preaches, and her sister is married to a preacher, and her brother is a preacher, and she grew up in a Baptist preacher's house, and I grew up in a bar, and God brought us together. 28 years ago, I was preaching a revival out in the middle of a little town in Oklahoma, and when I came in, I looked over on the piano, and there was the most beautiful, black-headed, brown-eyed girl I'd ever seen in my life, and I said, who is that? And somebody said, well, that is the pastor's wife's sister and she's a senior in college, and she feels like God's called her into the ministry, and she just wants to travel all over and tell people about Jesus, and the spirit of hubba hubba came on me, amen? I said, praise God. And we got married about six months after that, and we've been married for 28 years in June, just traveling all over the world, telling people about Jesus, and we have four children. Our youngest daughter is here. Maddie, stand up and wave to everybody. Welcome, Madison. Maddie's in the eighth grade. In the last six weeks, Maddie has seen about 14 of her classmates come to know Jesus Christ in the school where she goes. And she came down the stairs about two weeks ago. It was like 11.30 at night. And I said, Maddie, you got to be in bed. You got school tomorrow. And she said, but Dad, I just led Ricky to Jesus. And I said, Ricky, I said, you mean Ricky that we've been praying for that's an atheist at your school? And she said, yeah, Ricky just gave his life to Jesus. She led her friend to Christ. And then a couple of weeks ago, a Muslim girl came up to Madison at her school. 
and she had been to an FCA gathering that Maddie was leading where several students got saved, and she said, I need what you have. And Maddie said, but aren't you a Muslim? And she said, but it doesn't mean anything to me. My parents are Muslims. I need Jesus. And right there in the halls of a pub, don't tell me Christians can't pray in the public school. Amen. I mean, she prayed right there and led that young lady to Christ. And we're proud of all of our kids. And it's just an honor to be here. I thank God for you. And uh, I'm not going to preach long. I really want to give God an opportunity to move. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time preaching. Uh, I'll tell you what, Britney Spears told her barber a few years ago, we're going to cut it short, all right? But I want you to listen <laughs> for the next few moments. Take your Bible and turn to John's Gospel. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, John's Gospel. We've been taking this whole weekend and we've been talking about the Holy Spirit. This has been a Holy Spirit weekend. And last night I talked about the person of the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? Because there's a lot of mystery involved. One of my favorite books that's come out recently is by my friend Robert Morris, The God I Never Knew. He said he grew up in church, but he never heard about the Holy Spirit. And then Francis Chan has written a book called The Forgotten God. And it talks about the Holy Spirit. And sometimes we talk a lot about God the Father, and of course we talk about Jesus, but we seldom mention in many of our churches, thank God this church is different, but we've seldom mentioned the Holy Spirit, and yet the Holy Spirit is God. Now listen very carefully, look this way. There are not three gods. There's only one God. I was at Starbucks not long ago where I go every day to get my Christian crack, amen, and I was there at Starbucks and drinking my favorite cup of coffee, and my Muslim friend was there. I've been working on him and praying for him. He's an imam at one of the, one of the mosques in the Arlington area where we live. He teaches what we would call a Sunday school class from the Quran, and we were talking, and he said, but Scott, don't you believe that Jesus is God? Because they believe in Esau. They believe Esau was a great prophet, a great teacher, and they believe he was one of the five great prophets throughout history. And I said, yes, we believe that he was more than a prophet. We believe he was God. God come in the flesh, the God-man. And he said, well, then Jesus is God. I said, yes. And he said, don't you also believe that the Father is God, who we call Allah. Don't you believe that he's God, the Father is God? And I said, well, yes, the Bible teaches us to pray, our Father who art in heaven. And he said, well, that's Jesus is God, and the Father is God. And he said, now, don't you also believe that the Holy Spirit is God? And I said, well, yeah, the Bible calls him God in Acts chapter 5 and in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and chapter 6. The Holy Spirit is called God. And so he said, well, then that's three gods because one plus one plus one equals three. And I said, yeah, man, but one times one times one times one equals one. It's not a mathematical formula. Listen to me. It's an eternal relationship between three persons and yet one 
God, Tertullian, the great church father, said tres personas una substancia. There are three persons and yet one substance, one God, and the Father is not the Son, and the Son is not the Spirit, and the Spirit is not the Father, but the Father is God, and the Son is God, and the Spirit is God, one God in three persons. So the Holy Spirit is God, and that's why we sing to him. You won't ever find in a Jewish synagogue, although they believe in the Holy Spirit, but not as a person. They believe in the Holy Spirit as an influence or as a power. And you won't ever hear in a synagogue Jews singing songs to the Holy Spirit. And you won't ever go to a mosque and hear people talking about the Holy Spirit and worshiping the Holy Spirit because they don't believe that the Holy Spirit is a person and they don't believe the Holy Spirit is God and yet we believe both, amen? And then all throughout the Bible, for example, in John chapter 7, Look at what Jesus said in John chapter 7 and verse 37. There's the promise of the coming of the Holy Spirit. And we trace that this morning all the way from the book of Leviticus forward. How God promised there was coming a day, look at me, when he would not be with his people, but he would come to live in the lives of his people. Did you know that God lives in you? If you're a Christian, how many of you are saved? You're not 99% saved. I talked to a lady not long ago. I said, are you saved? She said, I'm about 99% saved. I said, you're about 100% lost, amen. You're either saved or lost. There's two kinds of people, the saints and the ain'ts, amen. People in whom Christ has come to live through the person of the Holy Spirit. You see, listen, when we say Jesus Come into our heart. Say that out loud. Jesus, come into my heart. You remember when you said that for the very first time and really meant it? Did you know at that moment, like air coming into your lungs, the Holy Spirit, the invisible Jesus, came to live in your dead spirit and you came alive on the inside. The Bible calls that being born again or born from above. And what it means is, is that Jesus in the person of the Holy Spirit, comes to live inside of you and he causes you to come alive and for the first time in your life, you're alive. Now that happened to me 36 years ago in Fort Worth, Texas in a jail cell. I was a drug addict. I was a teenage alcoholic. To support my habit, I had become a criminal, a thug. My own father said that boy will either be dead or in the penitentiary within the next five years if something doesn't happen. Guess what? Something happened and his name's Jesus. Listen, I didn't become a religious person. I didn't just start going to church. I didn't pull myself up by my own bootstraps. I didn't get my life together. I didn't try to turn over a new leaf. I needed a whole new tree. And only God could do that. Amen? Listen, amen miracle happened. A miracle happened in my life. And I walked in a jail cell one person, and I walked out of the jail cell a different person. Watch, because of the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and from that moment to this moment, and forever, the Spirit of God has sealed me. He lives inside of me. You can't even be born again without the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 9, that if you don't have the Spirit of Jesus, then you don't belong to Jesus. But that's where most Christians just stop. 
Now listen to me very, very carefully because I'm speaking this morning primarily to those of you who lifted your hand to say, I know that I know that I know that I'm saved. Now we're in a mess in our country. And the problem that we have is not primarily a political problem. You can't vote the devil out. Amen. He's here. And he's not just a Democrat or a Republican or Independent. His spirit operates in every sphere of the world system. So if you think that we're going to have a, the kingdom of God is just going to come when we vote one particular person out and another particular person in, you have lost your mind. Because our problem is not primarily political. And our problem is not primarily economic. And our problem is not primarily social or sociological. Listen to me, we have a spiritual problem. And the problem is not out there. The problem's in here. The problem is about half of you that said, I know I'm saved, are sitting around on your blessed assurance waiting for the rapture bus to swoop down out of heaven and take you on so you can get out of this mess when Jesus has called you to change this mess. Yeah transform this mess, not by political means, but by the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Just like Maddie changed the climate of her school by seeing these kids come to know Christ. I was in a crusade not long ago in Louisiana. Over 500 people came to know Jesus and one little red-headed freckle girl who was in the seventh grade brought over 50 of her friends to Jesus during the crusade. I said, I've got to meet this girl. And they introduced me to this little red-headed freckle girl. She was about this tall and she had brought all these friends to Jesus. I said, sweetheart, I said, aren't you afraid of the peer pressure? And she said, I am the peer pressure, amen. I mean, she got a hold of the power of the Holy Spirit. But that's not where most people in this room are. Matter of fact, if the truth be told, if the truth be told, and God knows the truth, there are some of us involved in this room right now in every kind of unspeakable, unmentionable sin that the world is involved in. It's right in the church. Matter of fact, recent statistics show that our divorce rates in the church, our rates of adultery, child abuse, theft, pornography, drug addiction, there is no difference between people who go to church on a regular basis and people who do not even claim the name of Jesus. And of course, the fastest growing demographic in our country right now are the people who just say, I have no church preference whatsoever. And today, 88% of the teenagers in America stayed at home. Did you know that? Let me say that one more time. 88%, that's 9 out of 10 teenagers in America are not in church anywhere right now. We've lost a whole generation. Now, I want to tell you why they don't come to church. Because they've already been to church. And in most of our church services, there's not enough spiritual power to blow the fuzz off a peanut. Amen? 
I mean, people just come in and they sing songs and they act like they'd rather be anywhere in the world but church. They look at their watch. My God, when's this thing going to be over? Most churches start at 11 o'clock sharp and end at 12 o'clock dull. Amen? I mean, there's no power. Nobody's life is getting changed. 78% of the churches in America have plateaued or they're in decline. And we wonder what the problem is. The problem's right here. The problem is, though we are saved, and I believe that many people are really saved, but we're powerless, and the devil is running over us like a smooth road. Our sons are impregnating teenage girls. Our teenage daughters are getting pregnant. Our kids are hooked on drugs. Our marriages are falling apart. Our homes are crumbling under the weight of the pressure of society. It's in the church, and God never intended it to be that way. Now, I want to show you what the answer is. The answer is not, and I thank God for building. I was a pastor for 20 years. I built many, many buildings, but God's not impressed with your building. God could care less. He lives in a place where the streets are made out of gold. Do you think we can impress God? We got enough church buildings. If it was about church buildings, we would have had the whole world saved years ago. It's not about church buildings. It's not about programs. It's not about personalities. It's about the power of the Spirit of God. Listen, flowing through, flowing through the lives of people who are totally, completely sold out to Jesus. And that's the issue right there. That's the issue. You want just enough Jesus to get you out of hell and into heaven and take care of you when you're having problems and when you're going through difficulties and you want to bless me, Jesus, a genie who lives in a bottle that you can rub and he'll pop out and say, your wish is my command, but you're not really willing to lay it all down for Jesus and the gospel. And until you reach that point, Jesus is not going to fill you with his spirit. Why would he? Why would God fill somebody with the Holy Ghost so they can cheat on their wife? Why would God fill somebody with the Spirit so they can live in absolute rebellion against their parents? Why would God fill somebody with the Holy Ghost so they can be addicted to pornography? It's not going to happen. And it's no greater in the religious world. Now, let, let me tell you something. Listen to me. I speak in tongues. All right, let me just tell you that. I was a Southern Baptist evangelist. I had just preached at the Indianapolis Dome where the Colts play football and been called the next Billy Graham. And then I had a cataclysmic encounter with the Holy Ghost that rocked my world and changed the whole course of my ministry Somebody asked me, did the Southern Baptists kick you out? No, they kicked me up, amen? And I began to see God do things that, he, that I'd never seen before. I began to see people healed. I believe we're going to have people healed today. I began to see people get set free, not through a 12-step program, but through the miraculous, instantaneous power of God. Thousands saved. Delivered, set free. So I believe in all those things. 
I believe in speaking in tongues. And if you've never spoken in tongues, it's for you. It's a wonderful language. It's a prayer language. It's the language of heaven. And it can help your intimacy and your intercession because there are some times when you don't even know how to pray. Your heart is so broken. When you kneel down beside your bed, you can't even get anything out. And that's when the Holy Spirit begins to make intercession with groanings that cannot be uttered. And I believe in all those things. And I preach in a lot of Pentecostal churches and Baptist churches and non-denominational churches and every kind of church imaginable. But can I just tell you, you'd have a hard time convincing the Apostle Paul that you're a spirit-filled Christian if at the end of the day you don't ever tell anybody about Jesus. Because ultimately it's not about speaking in tongues. Some of the meanest people I've ever met in my life speak in tongues. Ultimately it's not about an experience. Although thank God I've had many and I want to keep on having. You know what the bottom line of the power of God is about? It's about a passion and a power to change the world. That's what the bottom line is. And that's why Jesus said in John chapter 7, verse number 37, he stands up on the last day of the feast, and he says, is anybody thirsty? And I just want to ask you a question. Are you thirsty? Is there in you a a thirst for more? See, if you're satisfied with where you're at with God then God will never do anything beyond that. But I want to ask you, are you thirsty? Is there something in your heart right now that's crying out, yes, Lord, I do want everything you have for me. I'm not satisfied. I don't want to just be somebody who's got fire insurance from hell and a free ticket to heaven. I want you to use me, Lord. I I know the world around me is in a mess. We have 1.1 million teenage alcoholics in America. Last year, every 38 seconds, a young lady got pregnant out of wedlock and a million kids ran away from home. And we're watching our entire culture go down the tubes and the answer is the church the answer is a spirit filled spirit empowered church the answer for for the problems in the people's lives in where you work where you go to school the neighborhood where you live the answer is you filled with the Holy Ghost And that's what I'm praying. I'm praying we'll leave this place. Listen to me. I'm praying, whether we clap or not, I'm praying that we'll be so full of Jesus when we walk out of this place, so full of the Holy Ghost that if a mosquito bit you, he'd fly away singing there's power in the blood. Amen. I mean full of Jesus. But you got to get thirsty. You got to say, God, I'm thirsty. God, I'm dissatisfied. I want more. I want more. And I want you to have more of me. I want more of you filling more of me. And Jesus said, if you're thirsty, then come to me and drink. And then he said in verse 38, he who believes in me, as the scripture says, out of his belly, some Bibles say, his heart, others say, his inmost being is really the meaning of the text. Out from within him, from within her, will flow out rivers of living water. What's he talking about? Look at verse number 39. He was talking about the Holy Spirit. 
whom those who would believe in him would receive for the spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet gone to the cross, been raised from the dead, exalted to the right hand of the Father and poured out the spirit. Now I want to say this and then I want to just open up the, the water fountain to you and let you come get a drink, amen? The spirit of God lives in you. That happened the day you repented of your sin and trusted Christ. Listen to me. That's wonderful. At that moment, the Holy Spirit baptized you into the body of Christ. And at that moment, the Holy Spirit sealed you until the day of redemption, regenerating you, indwelling you. Thank God for that. Listen to me. But there's more to it than that. I'm not talking so much today about the within work of the Spirit of regeneration. I'm talking about the upon work of the Holy Spirit. Because in John chapter 20, in the upper room, after he is glorified, he meets with his disciples, and the Bible says he breathed on them and said, pneuma, in the Greek New Testament, breath. We know what pneumonia is. It's a breathing disorder. Ruach in the Hebrew. He breathed on them just like the wind blew on the day of Pentecost, just like the wind blew from the east and dried up the waters after the Noah's flood. He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now listen to me. At that moment, they were born again. They were regenerated. And then he said, I have a job for you to do. As the Father has sent me, he said, I'm going to send you. Now listen to me. Look at me. Listen, please. He, well, here's what Jesus, this is incredible. What Jesus was saying is, I want you to go do the same things that I have been doing. Matter of fact, he said, the things that I'm doing, you're going to do, and greater works than these, you're going to do, because I'm going to go to the Father, and I'm going to pour out the Holy Spirit. So listen to me. He said to his regenerated followers in the upper room, he said, I have a job for you to do, but don't go yet. Hurry up and wait. And they must have thought, what in the world? that You don't want us to go right now? He said, no, if you go right now, you're going to be going in your own power. Saved, yes. So there's a desire to go, but I want to empower you for this task of what we call the Great Commission. And so he said, I want you to go. You're saved. The Holy Spirit lives in you. But I want you to go wait in the city of Jerusalem for the promise that I told you about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so the Bible says on the day of Pentecost, they were all in one accord in one room. Listen to me. Now, these are saved people. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind. And that's called a theophany. It's indicative of the presence of God, the ruach, the pneuma of God, the breath of God. And then there was fire. And anytime God shows up, there's fire like on the, in the burning bush and on Mount Carmel. And the Bible says Jesus is a refiner's fire. And so there was wind and there was fire, listen to me, and the Spirit who already lived within them was poured out upon them, upon them. And that pouring out of the Spirit upon them, much in the same way that the prophets of the Old Testament had the Spirit of God come upon them, that 
coming upon the, these believers was for, listen to me, empowerment. It was for power. It was not primarily for speaking in tongues, although that became a kind of sign. But it was not primarily for speaking in tongues. It was to get up and go change the world. Now let me ask you a question. Does your world need changing? Can you think of anybody in your world that needs changing? Do you think Texarkana, especially on the Arkansas side, needs changing? Amen. I mean, don't you agree that Texarkana needs a touch from God? Amen. Now, let me ask you a question. How do you think that's going to happen? It's going to happen when God really fills, pours his spirit out upon the people sitting in this room. Now, let me ask you a question. Are you thirsty for that? If you are, get up out of your seat and come to this altar right now. Just come and find a place to kneel at this altar. Just come on. Everybody in the room who's thirsty, just come on. Just come on. And when you come, here's what you're saying. Jesus, I give you all of me. Jesus, I give you all of me. Matter of fact, you might just want to begin to say that. Jesus, I give you all of me. I'm tired of being halfway. I'm tired of being one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom. I'm tired of being so lethargic and so apathetic and so up and down, roller coaster Christian life. I don't want that anymore. I know that's not why you died for me, Jesus. I know that's not why you rose from the dead. And so I want everything. I'm thirsty, Lord. Just tell him that. And then by faith, just ask him to pour out his spirit upon your life. I remember when this happened to me, I was so thirsty. And I was a preacher. I was an evangelist. And God was using me, but I knew that there was something missing. And I was so thirsty. I was so thirsty. And I just began to do what you're doing right now and what I still do. I just began to cry out, God, I want everything. I want everything. I don't care what my Baptist friends think. I don't care what anybody thinks. I want it all. I want everything. And it was in a setting kind of like this. We weren't, I wasn't at an altar and there was no guitar playing, but we were in a pastor's office. And we were praying and we were seeking God. There were just a handful of us. And I remember just saying, Jesus, I want, I want you to baptize me in the Holy Spirit. I want your power upon my life. And suddenly just spontaneously out of nowhere there was a sign I just began to pray in tongues spontaneously nobody was trying to coach me or teach me or anything all that stuff is foolishness but I began to hear a, a, a language coming up like Jesus said out of my innermost being and I had to make a choice to give voice to that and when I did 
I just began to speak in a language I'd never learned before. And that was kind of like a, a door that opened into the supernatural. I began to see people healed. I began to have faith. It was like I had new faith to see people healed and even a greater ministry of evangelism and it was preparatory for doing what God was calling us to do. So I just want to encourage you just as you're before the Lord just say Jesus I give you my tongue I give you my everything I yield myself completely to you and then just release this beautiful language of heaven as a sign that the Spirit of God is being poured out on your life. It's not the feeling of the Holy Spirit, it's the filling of the Holy Spirit. So I'm not talking about an emotional kind of thing, although that might be involved, but I'm talking about an act of total surrender to Jesus. I'm thirsty. Baptize me. Fill me. I want you to use me, Lord. And then just begin to worship Him. Then if you have a friend down here, if you want to just come and kneel with someone or lay hands on someone. I just want us to open up this altar for a few moments and be very sensitive. We're going to pray for the sick. We're going to pray for people to be released from bondages. But I want to just invite and invoke the presence of the Holy Spirit. Our brother's going to lead us. Let's worship the Lord. Surrender to the Lord. Come on, church. Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Jesus is calling. Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is
anybody here that's sick, physically sick? I'm not talking about you just have a headache or something, but I'm talking about you, you really have some health issues. Which, is there any, if you're like that, stand up wherever you are, or if you need to come forward, come forward. I want all the folks who need a touch from God who are sick. Now, church, look at me, listen to me. The power of the Holy Spirit is not just given to a, an evangelist. God has poured out His Spirit on all of us. And God has given all of us the faith, if you'll just exercise it, to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So here's a man right here. Somebody needs to lay hands on him. Here's a lady right here. Here's a lady right here. Here's a man right here. These folks are saying they're sick. Here's folks. Lay, raise your hand up high. I want you to gather around them. Just begin to pray for them. You don't even have to anoint them with oil. That's a symbol of the Holy Spirit. Is there anybody here that's struggling with addictions? If that's you, would you come stand right here? If you have a struggle with addictions, oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. The Bible says he was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. Those are the, the things in us that are, that are crooked, that are not, not straight like we want them to be. Jesus died to straighten that stuff out. He set me free. I need people who have, I want those of you who have been freed from addictions to come and begin to minister to people right now. If God has set you free from addictions, I want you to come, just begin to lay hands in Jesus' name. Come on, lay hands on them. Just come on, push your way through here. Just lay hands on people. Come on, sing it, come to the altar. In Jesus' name. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Jesus set up Jesus set them free. Jesus healed them. Jesus baptized them. And the Holy Spirit saved them. Jesus come to If you're here and you are not saved, if your heart stopped beating right now and you don't know for sure that you'd go to heaven, if you're not saved, there's a cross right over there. I want you to head to the cross. Just go to the cross. That's where it all happened. That's where Jesus died for you so that you could be forgiven, so you could become a brand new person. And the cross is empty because he rose from the dead. And there'll be somebody right there at the cross who can show you how to give your heart to Jesus. So I want everybody who's not saved, I want you just to head to the cross. And there'll be somebody there to help you. All right, let's pray. Come on, sing it. Just come to the altar. Yes.
After they had prayed, the place where they were gathered was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. And Father, that's what I pray. God, I pray that when we leave this place, that there would be a new boldness. There would be a power. Lord, it would not be a, an overwhelming kind of power of personality, but it would be love. It would be love. Lord, that's what we need, the power of love. You are love, Father. Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is love. Jesus is all about love. So, Father, whether it's with a waitress today at lunch or God with a family member or a co-worker or a teammate or a classmate or some random stranger or somebody that's hurt us, God, let there be love and forgiveness and let them know that you're real because you're real in us and Spirit of God we want to walk in this every day not just at the altar but we want to walk in this every day we die to ourselves. we're raised to newness of life by the power of the Holy Spirit Father bless this church I pray for continued healing for pastor, restoration, refreshment. Oh God, use this church to touch this city. Do it, Lord. Do it, Lord. For your glory alone. In Jesus' name. Church, let me just see you for a minute. I, we're going to be available here to minister. Pastor's going to come. And, you know, the church has been so gracious to partner with us. I want to be honest with you, I've been having problems with my visa and with the State Department and also with Pakistan because there's so much violence there. But God willing, we have a trip planned in September. We had a trip planned for earlier in the year and, and we couldn't go. They said, you can't come. And that's when the bomb went off in Islamabad and over 200 Christians that we know of were killed. 
but God's called me to go there. And then I'll be in Africa before the end of the year, and in Russia, and then in crusades, stadium, football stadiums, and camps, and conferences, and churches like this. I just want you to know that's what you're investing in. You're not investing in somebody that lives in a mansion. My car, I drive an old Ford truck with 181,000 miles on it. And it just, it, it's built Ford tough, amen? So I'm not, I don't need a new car. My wife drives a used car. We live in a, the same house that we've lived in for 14 years. We're not interested, listen to me. I care about one thing, man, souls. That's all I care about. That's all I care about. I'm not trying to build this or that. I want to win souls. I want to have an impact. I want to touch the world. From a little kid that grew up in, in a bar in Wichita Falls, Texas, and now all over the world because of Jesus. And, you know, I, I just, I'm asking you to partner with us. Because, you know, you might say, well, I can't go to Pakistan. I can't go to Africa. I can't go to Russia. Yes, you can. You can send me. And when I go, you go. And whoever I win to Christ, you won them to Christ. Because I couldn't even be there without you. And so I just want to say on behalf of our family, thank you for letting us be here, Pastor. We love you. And we love this church. And if I lived anywhere within driving, I'd be at this church. This is a powerful church. I love you, Pastor. Amen. And again, as you go, we'll continue worship a little bit if you just want to hang around the altar. But we'll have a Bible up here. Our ushers will be in the back. And again, you can just write Scott Camp on it, and that'll help toward his expenses getting here and also to send him off to the other parts of the world. Amen. God's good, isn't he? Something very important we do now, exercise what you've gotten. I mean, you might have just got it with me when I got filled with the Holy Spirit. My life changed, and I got a boldness to witness. I witnessed my neighbor the next day. But I just first had just a syllable, and I was just faithful with that. And then it, out of my belly flew rivers of living water. So just be faithful, exercise, and right away start praying for people. I mean, start inviting people. Start witnessing to people. Because the more it flows, the more it will come. Amen? God bless you. Oh, what a Savior, isn't he wonderful? Sing hallelujah, cry.